Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Henry Fraser, uh, twin brother, PhD candidate and all-round good guy. Uh, I wanted to say thank you everyone who's been contributing to the Patreon. It's really wonderful to have your support in that way. A lot of people have been signing up and it makes my life a lot easier. Also to the people who've been buying merch I hope you are enjoying it. Uh, people have been sending me pictures of it and it gives me a real thrill. I met my merch in the wild for the first time uh, about a week ago and it made me very happy. So that's all very good. If you want to email me, alicerfraser at gmail.com is the place to do that or hit me up on Twitter at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. And this week with Henry I talk about uh, pessimism and uh, the new world that we're living in where very highly qualified people can find it very difficult um, to feel as useful as they probably should. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it, other than the bit where I found out that my crunching carrots on Skype has been a source of deep resentment for many years. that that that's all that i will let you keep listening i'm in london now at the moment i have a preview on the 9th if you're in london of empire i think that might be the only other preview that i have left i did a preview last night which was one of those very previewy previews the with wide open windows and no microphone which is always a bit of a struggle but it was good and uh, if you want to come on the 9th that is going to be somewhat more high tech and then i will be in edinburgh for the month of August. If you are there or have friends there, please send them along. I'll let you get on with listening to the podcast and see you next week. Who are you and what are you drinking? Who am I? I am um, I'm Henry, your brother. I'm <laughs> drinking some Lapsang Suchong with delicious uh, Waitrose Organic, unhomogenized full cream waitress dachia rather unhomogenized full cream milk that's very good um i'm drinking jasmine green tea that is what i'm drinking and i'm overcoming jet lag yes jasmine green tea which has been sitting in our um tea shelf since you were last year which you provided and now you're reaping the benefits of the gift. Well, that's that's good. It's always good when you buy a present that gives back to you. Have you been wrestling with anything recently, Boyer? Have I been wrestling with anything? Yes, ideas-wise. Uh, I mean, I know you've been wrestling with people. You came second in the British National Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu old guys, white belt thing. Heavyweight. Yeah, you're cringing pr- when I'm saying yeah, this. I'm, I'm very pleased. You're very happy. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds much more impressive than it was. There were three people in the division. <laughs> so I won one fight and lost one fight. And that got me a silver medal. I'm proud of my silver medal. I'm proud of the way that I won my fight that I won. And disappointed with the way that I lost. So it was fun. It was good. So, But I mean, in, in a, I mean, other than people, what have you been wrestling with? Oh, well, I've been wrestling with my PhD um, I'm sure I've spoken about the process of doing a PhD ad nauseum, the humbling and humiliating that it is. Um, other than that, um, obviously I'm wrestling with the same thing that everyone else, I imagine, in the liberal, so-called liberal elite is wrestling with, which is a sense of pessimism that 
uh, it's hard to avoid when you just, especially here in London, when you have this sequence of awful things happening sort of regularly once a week, something really awful happens and people die. Um, you know, so there was bombings in Manchester, the bombing in Manchester at the Ariana Grande concert, which is just sort of awful, unbearable, really. And then targeting teenage girls, targeting is little like girls, the yeah. most, yeah, it's just, I mean, pathetic and vile, yeah, it's awful. And then in London, uh, there was a another one of these copycat van slash stabbing attacks, and then followed by um, a sort of a retaliatory attack by some pathetic old fellow who seemed to have some mental health issues um, uh, trying to do the same thing with a van and a knife fairly ineffectually outside a mosque, which, you know, I was just, it's it's just around the corner from here. It's about, um, you know, I, I walked past there the other day a few days later without realising that that's where it had been and saw all the flowers and the photos and everything. It's very depressing when you... When See, it's so now close this to is home. interesting to me, the copycat attack thing, because, I mean, there are standards for, n- for reporting suicides, right? Mm-hmm. There are media standards to prevent copycat suicides. You're not meant to describe the method. You're not meant to glorify the person by saying what they attempted to achieve and whether they achieved it. You're not meant to... Like, there's various things that are, like, very strongly enforced by community and, I think, regulatory... I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, particularly um, with suicide. And this is the other thing. I mean, Is that, this is is that the, the case here, though, or is that in Australia? I, or I know it's in Australia. I think it's also here that you meant to sort of, at the end of it, you say this Beyond Blue or here are the Samaritans, call these people if you're having similar thoughts to prevent these kind of copycat attacks. But I mean, there are these, sui- like, uh, suicidal at least, or willing to die, these attacks, terrorist attacks that happen and that are copycatted in almost exactly the same way as suicides would be, but then there's no standards for reporting them. And the other thing, sorry, this is a bit of a sideline, is that the way people report trans suicide seems to be seems to be dodging a lot of those um, regulations as well because, you know, because they want to emphasise that these trans children usually or young people are suffering because of bullying and so on and so forth and then they choose to take their lives as a way of trying to have you know revenge vengeance or have their say or <coughs> whatever it happens to be but then I mean you're not meant to do that you're not meant to talk about suicide in that way in that way that you know this is why they did it and this is how sorry their parents are you, like you know what I mean you're not meant to do that Awful. but they do that now with trans suicides when they already know that trans suicide rates are huge, like it seems strange to me that there's this weird loophole for that kind of suicide because it's p- politicized, obviously. Yes, I think because both in both cases they're politically interesting and that makes them good for selling news. Both are topics that are of of interest in you know c- the sort of cultural priorities. Mm. Um, Discussing them is a cultural priority. Obviously, different people have different attitudes towards the issues. Um, yeah, I I saw an interesting. I think it was an interview. I might have even been on the BBC at the time of the last knifey vanny attack in London, uh, which was in Westminster Bridge. 
um, where I can't even remember who it was, but a, it might have even been a barrister or it was a figure, you know, a, a sort of a venerable old fellow who's very experienced saying that, um, and I apologize for not knowing his name, um, yeah, saying exactly that, that why yeah, well this is a crime, murders are not reported in this way, and, you know, the media contributes to the effectiveness of the of terrorism as a tactic by giving a platform to these people. Um, and if it were just reported in the same way as a crime, in the crime pages of newspapers and in the crime section of the news sort of towards the end, um, it, you know, that might take away momentum. But, so that's a sort of a, that's a journalistic ethics issue. I mean, the uh, from the point of view of the commercial side, any of these, any of these businesses that are commercial media businesses, know that they are not going to sell papers or ads, um, or not going to meet their requirement to. If in the case of the BBC, I don't know exactly what their mandate is, but people will look elsewhere if they're not providing the news about the thing that captivates people's attention. You know, I don't think that they necessarily create the attention. It's very compelling to people. The idea, even I even if it's very remote, the probability of being attacked, the, the idea that one's culture, that your culture is a target for someone who is your enemy, the idea that you have an enemy, that's really what it is. Mm. Because, because your culture has enemies and will randomly pick anyone who is it? Yeah. Who is a member of that of um, you know whatever that culture is supposed to be? I suppose you know Anglo-Saxon, Western culture, including children. Including children, if you're in England, and um, I mean there was and tourists as well. You know, it's all these places. Always, it seems to be tourists. So the idea of public places, of public places, and places where the places that are open to exchange and open to visitors and open to... Cross-cultural Yeah, well, just openness itself um, is a target. And so if you subscribe to that or you think that you belong to any of those groups, then it's, it is hard not to you know, take a kind of take it morbid personally. interest. Yeah, and yeah, take it personally. because it could have been you, but yeah. for But the thing is, it couldn't really have been you, statistically speaking. Yes. You know, it more likely would have been, you know, I don't. it's strange because, you know, I'm a cyclist and... I would expect, in fact, I'm almost certain, I don't know the figures, I'm almost certain that cyclists, and many more cyclists die on the road in London than people are killed by terrorists. Yes. Uh, you know, um, but I didn't never follow the news of cycle accident deaths. It, remember, it reminds me of when Granny used to take out, because you used to surf in Australia, she'd take out, cut out all the shark attacks <laughs> and give them to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, it is a similar thing. There's no reason why you should take a shark attack less personally than a terrorist attack. Well, the, yeah, it's, there are reasons because a shark is just enacting its biological impulses. Yeah, I guess so. But you know, a shark's not motivated from a, from by, you know, sharks don't have a sort of a hatred of surfers that, is I mean, based in a in an extremist interpretation of shark doctrine. <laughs> um, now, how do you know? You haven't read shark religious texts. Yeah. So yeah, there's all these attacks and all this um, anger and hatred. But then, actually, probably the worst thing um, mm. and the most significant thing 
and probably the most reflective of actual problems has been this awful fire uh, in Grenfell Tower um, in South Kensington. For those who are not Londoners or English, South Kensington is in a very affluent suburb. Um, it's hard to find a point of comparison really in a in a city that isn't quite so old and established but it's old and it's established and it's full of white stuccoed you know it's like classic it's what you see on James Bond when they drive through London you know um, in the last movie it's it's very lovely suburb but um, there's a housing policy in um, the UK which spreads out social housing through all suburbs including South Kensington and um, one of these uh, social housing projects, this tower, Grenfell Tower, um, had a just an absolutely awful fire. The but it wa- you know, it wasn't a terrorist attack. It wasn't a terrorist attack. No, there was just a fire and a, an accident, um, which led to a fire. They don't, I don't think they've worked out what caused the fire, but the they certainly know why the fire was so bad, which was that the place is a complete fire trap. One entrance, one exit. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the cladding on the outside of the building so i guess whatever it is that's on the facade um, having flammable. been very flammable and also liable to create a kind of a uh, a, a chimney to and make the, fl- the fire worse the residents have been prote- like protesting about this for a while now objecting I'm not, to I'm it i'm not sure if there's been protests but i think some people have noted it or, or people have mentioned these fire safety issues but it turns out there are dozens or, or I don't know maybe even hundreds I'm not sure the numbers but there are plenty of buildings like this with this terrible fire safety the local council where I live has um, responded you know in a sort of typical um, uh, lawsuit averse fashion and evacuated everyone from their housing and that's probably a problem in itself but the the main thing about it I suppose is that there you have the most affluent suburb probably in the country and then the people who are less well off uh you know it's very hard i imagine not to get a sense that you people don't care yeah and i mean in the context of you know you you have this cycling incident and you don't feel that that you, you don't worry about cycling accidents you don't take those personally in the same way as you would with for example terrorism do you take this personally, this kind of incident? Does it feel dangerous to you? Is it absorbing in the same way? Well, I think it's been absorbing, like it's been in the news and everyone's been quite shocked by it because it's just such an avoidable thing. I think it's more that it's a a kind of a metaphor for the sense of inequality. And, you know, if we're talking about real problems, that's the real problem, you know, real in terms of, you know, many more people died in that and died in all three of the terrorist um, things that I've just mentioned. Yeah, but nobody's out in the streets checking oh. people's fire safety. Well, no, there, there, there is a response, but it, there is a response. But, you know, there was that and then the fact that, you know, it was just... I think it's a bit... Di- you know, I, I wonder if it would have been different in Australia. It's sort of speculation, but I think because we have these natural disasters, we people have a more of a system or the governments and the... Um, local organizations and the volunteer fire um, services and all these so you know people seem to be a little bit better at dealing with that suddenly you've got x number of people 
hundred, few hundred or few thousand people who need food and shelter and clothes. I think maybe because we're a little bit, I was talking to Dad the other day about it, that we're, I mean, not to exaggerate, but we're a bit closer to having had a frontier history and we're a bit closer to the frontier and that it's pretty wild in, in these Australia. places where there are, you know, where there are these huge fires. It's because you're in a place where you're surrounded by the bush and the forest and so it is wild and people still have that connection whereas here people individuals were very kind and generous and donated their time and but there was no structure yeah for many days you know just it was just a broad organized community response yeah and that doesn't help either right if there's a portion of the population that feels like no one cares about them they've been neglected no, that that will breed a certain level of... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would be absolutely furious. Um, I mean, one of the interesting things in the news coverage, particularly from the left news, was the emphasis on the fact that pe- people who were in the building uh, noticed the fire earlier than would otherwise have been noticed because they were awake for, I think it was Ramadan? Oh, yes, that because that, um, they were eating... I don't know what time it was actually, but it was I like two or three in the morning. They were getting up to prepare food to eat before dawn. Yeah, right. And that—that's really. I mean, if you're talking about Islam, that those are the more devout people well, who I think, wake I think up. Lots as of people here observe Ramadan, but yeah, no. Yeah. But I mean, in that way of waking up very early and having an early meal, like a proper meal early, that's a that's a thing. Yeah, I have, I, I, can't, I have no idea. But that indicates a certain level of devoutness, well, I don't know. apparently. I, I just don't know, but I guess it's culture. According to my friend who is an expert on such matters. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you believe me, but Across I believe you. So. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the you know, it's a very diverse group of people, but in, in, that, in that public housing. But, yeah, certainly not your doctors and your lawyers. No, um, which is upsetting. Yeah, it's very upsetting. It's very upsetting. Um, but, I mean, for example, that is something that you can do stuff about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's, it's all stuff that you can do about. Uh, I mean, none of the problems are things that you can do nothing about. You can, there are things to be done about all of these problems. Um, yeah. But anyway, on that note, I was talking to you this about ye- uh, to to you about this yesterday, and you know, I'm sure you know that I consider myself pretty uh, pessimistic person in the sense that I usually expect the worst, mm. and and I have a terrible habit, you know, that I'm trying to work on. But whenever things are going really well for me, the thought that comes up is, well, this this can't, it's too good, it can't last. Yeah, you're very Hamletian. Hamletian? Yeah, so every time I, you know, if I wake up and there's Linda, my wife, and, and you know, we've been happily married for however long and I think she's so sweet sleeping there and it's a beautiful sunshine streaming through the window and we're going to make some delicious, you know, light roast Colombian coffee in our nice new percolator that I got for a birthday present and have to buy some croissants from across the road and have a little chat and I'm thinking this is going to be a lovely morning before she heads off to work and I'm doing, you know, my time is so free. I'm doing what I'm interested in. I'm, inter- I'm intellectually stimulated. I'm actually reasonably fit and, you know, um, injury-free. And then I think, oh, well, it's, you know, <laughs> it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. So that's my tendency. Um, but 
I have been quite surprised by how um, some of the the attitude of my peers, I suppose, of other people who I would identify with, you know, who are similar, who are lawyers or at, at uni doing similar kinds of things and well-educated, well, well well-to-do people, top bright. Tier. Yeah, well, I'm doing, you know, no, no one's top tier, but, you know, working in really interesting work and very accomplished and very, you know, we're going to amazing universities with prestigious scholarships and um, doing amazing things in their lives. So I had a, I was at a dinner party with just such people. Uh, I don't know, it would have been six weeks ago, a month ago, after, maybe after the Manchester attacks and during some spate of despicable Trump behaviour or sort of dubious general things going on in the world and everyone was towards the end of the evening and um, so I suppose I shouldn't press my advantage because I don't drink and so I was at an advantage in this conversation by the time we got to the end you know I was able you know whereas these people might have been speaking more impulsively but so that's to be to give them their due that might not be what they would think or say in their best mm. moment the best sharpest moment, moment but after you know a few bottles of wine <laughs> So this this person said to me, oh, you know, I wouldn't have children because it would be wrong to bring children into the world and, and by the time our children grow up, it's just going to be, the world's just going to be such a terrible place. And I, who consider myself a pessimist, was just appalled, you know, because I like to fight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a, you know, I'd say I'm, I'm not a, a violent or aggressive person person but i've got a bit of fight in me mm. and i just felt i just thought where's your fight where's your you are one of the people who's meant to be changing the world yes like you know no one has it better you have the best position of many like you if all the people in the world you, you're educated you've got access to wealth you you're what was on a scholarship well, both on a scholarship and working in a very prestigious job at the same time, juggling because this person is so amazing, they can actually not many people can do it, but juggle doing a PhD and. But then not to think that you could change the world, but also like that's bullshit. Like we have it better than any point in Western history. Yes, yeah, it was that, and it was also this sense like of even poor people nowadays have it better. Well, it depends how poor, poor and where. Poor where. But I'm talking about here in in you know the you UK know, in or the UK and, and in Australia. In Australia, it's even even that poor in Australia now means you know maybe having to worry a little bit about how much food you buy. Well, I'd say it's more about the quality of food. The that quality you buy. of food you buy and struggling a little bit with rent. But well, yes. I mean, I was looking up this thing um, the other day about you know conditions during the Great Depression and in Victorian slums. I'm writing an article for SBS about this new um, reality show uh, which is called Queen Victoria Slum, which puts modern people into the conditions of Victorian slums where if you could, you know, you spent two-thirds of your money went to food and, you know, the rest went to rent and if you didn't pay your rent, you'd you'd be sleeping on a rope. You would be standing and there would be a rope at waist height and you would flop over the rope and that was your... Because you couldn't even afford a bed. Like that's... There's a long way to Assuming go. Assuming you've got a job, right? That's yeah, there's a, a long way to go from like, oh no, cut down on avocado and toast and you'll be able to afford a mortgage, which is obviously not true. But you know, 
that of like, oh, maybe our generation won't be able to buy our own places, which is the big crisis of Australian housing at the moment, that, you know, the new generation can't get a foot on the property ladder unless their parents, you know, co-sign their mortgage. But it can get so much worse. Like, it has been so much worse. For most of history, if you were poor, you would die. Like, if you just couldn't make enough money, you'd die. Yes. Uh, we, well, I think it's an, it's an interesting mix because for, for the individual throughout most of history, individually speaking, you're, if you're not well off, then there were so many ways. So many ways things could go wrong for you. You could get ill. You know, medicine wasn't good. You could, you could, there was no security net. You could, you could, if you're in a cold place, you can freeze, you can starve, you can get get sick sick. and not be able to afford a doctor. You can go mad, then you're really screwed. Or you could be subject to some crazy, you know, one of the, some crazy social norm of the time that decides, well, depending how far back you go, that you're a witch or that, you know, your disfigurement means the devil's in you. Yes. Or or whatever, you know, or, or whatever. Or your reputation could be ruined by, you know, as a woman, certainly your reputation could be ruined by having spent time alone with a man. You know, Even and this is sort of a point of no return. Yeah. Um, you know, you went out on a boat with a man and then it got to twilight and you weren't back. Well, that's your life over. Yeah. You know, so, yes, in that sense, things are much better. Those things, you know, your chances are in, the, in, in, in developed and wealthy countries. You know, I'd say there's probably the same problems apply um, in uh, in other less developed countries with different traditions for women. But systematically, we're aware of, um, you know, how much these big structures, how much we're part of a very big structure where s- we have a sense of connection because of you know, communication. And there are so many structural and uh, large-scale ways that things can go wrong, like... You know, if you're in the kingdom of Kent in 900 AD, the decisions that the king of Kent makes sort of affect Kent mm. and maybe the neighbouring kingdoms and they can definitely ruin your life if you're a peasant. Mm. But now everything is, things, the consequences are on such a grand scale and there are a lot of things that can really, you know, pandemics and nuclear weapons getting into the wrong hands or poor leadership of powerful uh of powerful institutions which which affect the whole world or um rogue artificial intelligence um the most obvious and biggest problem of course is um climate change um so i think and those things are very compelling as well the the apocalyptic you know the apocalyptic vision is so compelling compared to your own personal potential for misfortune. Yeah, I agree. And also there's nothing that is more unsettling than being constantly confronted with problems that you have no capacity to influence or fix at all. I think that's one of the reasons why the terrorism thing is so attractive to people and why people often respond with violence or violent words on Twitter or what have you. Don't worry about eating your apple. These mics are very directional. They won't pick up anything unless you talk down, right down the barrel of them. So if I... <laughs> Sorry, guys. I won't edit this out. If I, if I just... 
<laughs> Someone's got like I guarantee you one of my listeners will have one of those phobias that don't doesn't like chewing noises. Everyone has that phobia. <laughs> I have that phobia against you. You used to eat carrots on Skype. <laughs> it, it was just like it triggered me. Oh, triggered, huh? Mm-hmm. I think triggered is overused. I was talking about this last week with Kirsty Webeck. Did it really trigger in like a PTSD physical response? Or did it just make you upset and angry? I'd say my heart rate went up. I got hot and sort of itchy. <laughs> so triggered, yes. Anger. I think that's what's called anger or sibling annoyance. Yeah. Disproportionate sibling annoyance. I think I felt like I didn't deserve, you know, it was like that you would not be with like carrot eating time. You wouldn't set aside just pure time for me. Oh, you wanted boy. to eat a carrot. You know, you'd set aside time to eat a carrot and then use that as an opportunity to call me and then just... Don't do it. <laughs> Don't punish my listener for your, for your anger in the past. You never mentioned this carrot rage at the time. Yeah, I think I just, you know, in our, in our classic poor communication of emotions... It's punctuated much of our relationship. You just sublimated it. Yeah, yeah. Into sort of deep resentment and frustration. Oh, well, I apologise in retrospect for my carrot-eating behaviour. I didn't realise it was bringing up your heart rate and making you uh, resentful. Uh, oh, yes. Um, what, are, what was I talking about? I can't remember. We got sidetracked with carrots. We got sidetracked with carrots. We were talking Chewy. about we were talking about oh the fact that a sense of helplessness in the face of systemic problems, and that's the same you know with this person. It was the sense of this person who couldn't be a more privileged and powerful person, really. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a, a generation. Our generation feels particularly helpless in a way that frustrates me when I see it on Twitter. Somebody who's, you know in their 30s going, oh, I did my taxes, look at me adulting. Like, you're an adult, you know, you'd be, <laughs> historically, you'd be a parent or a grandparent. Like, you don't get, you don't get points for meeting the bare minimum standard of adulthood when you're you You're definitely are. old enough. That's kind of sick, though, that you're old enough to be a grandparent when you're 30, technically speaking. Technically speaking, physically, biologically speaking, yeah. So, just do your taxes and don't be surprised that you're capable of doing your taxes they were made for people to be able to do yeah i mean the men you could you could potentially by probably more like 32 33 if you're a girl and you're an early bloomer you could be a great grandparent i mean a very early bloomer to be fair Mm. maybe 35 well yeah let's not go there that's gross um (laughs) different times different places you go you go keep going um, so, yeah, I've, I was thinking about that as a kind of a, we all feel quite helpless. I think partly because we are constantly absorbing information streams that are problems that we can't affect and we can't solve. And I don't Part really of know it is an empowerment, right, that you actually know about these things. Yeah, you, it, it makes you feel powerful to know about them, but in like the actual effect of it, there's a double effect, right? It's like mm. first and second order desires. Mm. You want to, but you don't want to want. Or that That's first order and second order desires. But it's like that, It's a that's an analogous kind of leveling of like it makes you feel powerful to know all this stuff, but actually what it makes you feel is really, really disempowered. 
like overall the uh, the cumulative effect is to make you feel like you can't change anything and you're kind of being swept along in the tides of idiots. Yeah, but I don't think that it's true. I think that it's just... Yeah, so this person... So the question is then, what are you going to do about it, right? You feel like this is going to happen and, you know, if your response is, oh, well, don't bring children into the world, what you're saying is, well, I there's give up. nothing... Yeah, I give up, I give up. Um, you know, make a lot of money, get a lot of passports and sort of fortify yourself against the coming flood. That's kind of... Yeah, it's a bit fatalistic. Um... And it is frustrating because, you know, change in the face of, you know, for example, with climate change, it's terribly frustrating that ignorance should be forestalling action on something that needs to be done. But ignorance always forestalls action on things that need to be done. You know, when has that not been true? You know, poor information makes bad decisions. Yeah, uh, well, also because uh, there's this... Everything is very complicated, much more complicated than we want it to be. And there are, I mean, conservatism, the appeal of conservatism is the fear of unintended consequences, that you can do something that seems like a good idea and it can have these really negative knock-on effects. Things, you know, like whatever it happens to be, I'm not going to give an example because I'll go down a rabbit hole, but that's, that's one of the reasons where you think, well, if I just change this one thing, then a lot of things could go wrong. So you'd rather sit back and watch what happens. Yes, well, uh, can I give an example, a really controversial one that's going to take us right down a rabbit hole? All right, let's do it. Well, Grace, s- do you need know. to do any disclaimers beforehand? Uh, okay, yeah, I'll give Check it your dis- privilege, all that? Yeah, I check my privilege. Apparently, according to a... Uh, fa- I, I, I Normally, I don't go on Facebook anymore, but according to a Facebook thing i have 60 points out of 100 points of privilege which obviously is massively underrating my privilege based on this 100 question questionnaire it's asking the wrong questions but anyway my privilege could not i couldn't be more privileged but let me also add the caveat that you know i'm a feminist i'm supported by a working wife while i do my phd i do the housework she does the you know breadwinning i'm not sexist (laughs) i like powerful ladies Yes. Okay. To the point where you liked who was it on Scrubs? That horrible character. You liked Doctor. What was her name? Jordan or? Yeah. 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 Yes, I found her very appealing because she was mean. Um, (laughs) But that's not why I like. You know. That's not why I like powerful (laughs) ladies because they're mean. It's it's not a it's not a sexual preference. You like ladies. You think women. I think I like empowered women. I think women should be empowered. Yes. Great. I find it appealing and attractive, and as it should be. But. And not, Say you, not, you don't just like it because you find it attractive. You also think yes. it's a moral good. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. So, okay, you know, boxes checked. Boxes checked. Um, but, you know, if, you, for example, creating greater equality in the workforce results in all the men that were, that that would have had positions that were occupied by women generally those men being of a lower socioeconomic status being pushed out by women of a higher educational standard. Yeah, and so that's an unintended consequence. I've that's an example of before. why a conservative might say, you know, let's just slow down on this women empowerment thing. And obviously I would disagree in that instance, but... 
the reality is the reality that is. as women came into the workforce, social yeah. mobility froze. Didn't freeze, but I think it had it an effect on social it's mobility. It's lower than it has been since the Depression, social mobility. People don't move across classes. Yeah, but that's correlation. Much. I don't know if it's necessary. I, I suppose you said as rather than was caused by. But yes, it's possible that that has contributed to that. Because yeah. young men would be the secretary or the typist or whatever it was of wealthy first, men yes. and work their way up. Whereas now it's much more much more packed and you know another another side effect of that again i'm pro women in the workforce being a woman who does work um and is not owned by anybody um but another side effect unintended consequences is that women in the workforce has doubled the price of houses yeah or maybe not doubled but of course the number of women in the workforce is still not representative yes but and so there is there's a way to go but even the increase in representativeness in the workforce increases and progress toward equality has had unintended consequences yeah which is weird which is weird but that's how it is everything you know everything is more complicated than you want it to be which i can understand would breed a sense of helplessness of like well i can't do anything right kind of thing you feel a little bit sooky and hard done by if you wanted to do something good and it has all of these unintended consequences and i think there's a lot of stuff that tangles people up in that way now where for example the accusation of against some feminists that they are white feminists that they're not intersectional enough that they're not working for all women they're only working for their women etc 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 all of that stuff can make you feel really um tied down stymied and and useless like I, i was trying to do a good thing someone goes well it's not good enough yeah, well that breeds a, resentment. That's a difficult one because as much resentment as a carriage down a skyline. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's all. I don't know if that's the same problem. I don't know if that's a problem of helplessness or a problem of of you know resource allocation or attention allocation. I think doing this thesis has very much conditioned me, and not that I am in any way approaching being an economist. You know, I would call myself at best a sort of a bush economist kind of. But yes, that very conscious. I've become very conscious that, uh, uh, you know, every all our resources, especially time and attention, are limited. And nowadays, the, the limitation on attention is probably one of the biggest factors in determining how so many things work because the economy of the internet is based on attracting your attention. Um, and And especially if you're comfortably wealthy, then the next most, um, the next resource that matters to you is time and attention. So I think (laughs) you confront all these problems in how you devote your attention, right? So as you say, if you are trying to agitate a cause, which is, um, which, you know, say you want to increase the, um, reduce the inequality in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, you want the investment in startups that are dominated by women to match the startups that are dominated by men. You want the number of women to be closer to the number of men. And, and I think it's 50 to 1 or something, you know, yeah, which it's is ridiculous. very unequal. Yeah, and there may be all kinds of causes, some of which are caused by sexism, some of which are caused by other, you know, 
the, you know, I don't more know. Subtle more subtle socialisations. Yeah, socialisations and some maybe or may not be biological. I have no idea. I have no idea. But obviously you want to give, let every, you want everyone to be able to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so say that's your priority. You're like, okay, women in Silicon Valley. I mean, then you confront the question, well, who are the women who are likely to be involved in getting into something in Silicon Valley. Like these are in the scheme of things probably some of the most privileged people in the world. And on the one hand you're devoting your attention to addressing an inequality and there could be all kinds of follow on effects that, you know, if you made Silicon Valley more representative you could you could achieve all kinds of knock on uh, effects. Knock on effects and so yeah, so you have to factor that into the benefit there. But then you know you're not yeah, the the attention that you're spending on that is time that you're not spending on, you know, dealing with FGM in, in sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, and I imagine there are a lot more women affected, and it's a lot worse than not being able to get your startup off the ground. You know, um, so that's a challenge. That's a you know that's hard, and whether 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 it is. You know, I think economists or certain people who get into a, a very utilitarian way of thinking uh, ha- tend to have this habit of assuming that because something is not optimizing your something is not optimizing your utility or optimizing benefits, then there's sort of wrong in that. I mean, it's a very classic, perfect as the enemy of the good kind of thinking, right? It's a way of it's a way of in in many ways, it's a way of putting a handbrake on change. It isn't. It isn't though, because there's something to it. There is something to it. Yeah, of course. If you want to, you know, if you could get everyone to get together and rank the world's problems and then focus attention on the most urgent ones one by one, you probably would get a better outcome. But then, you know, the nature of a the nature free of system is that you let people work out what they think is important. Yeah, and also the nature of people is that they can only really care about one person at a time, give or take, you know. It's also, I mean, this is a sort of a, a weird analogy, but after mum died, people would come and we'd have a conversation and they'd be telling me their problems, whatever, their boyfriend had broken up with them, and they'd go, of course, it's nothing compared to your... And I, you know, but, I mean, uh, that seemed like such a strange thing for me to say, for them to say to me, because of course it's their problem. Of course it's a problem for them. They shouldn't. I mean, you can't think like that. I'm otherwise I would be going. Well, of course I shouldn't be upset about this personal tragedy because there are massacres happening in the Sudan. Like, you can't. It's not how people's brains well, work. Are in, uh, yeah, your I mean, problems are, in, are yeah, your that's problems, right, that's and you will right. be more upset about the problems that affect you directly, even if you know you should be upset about something that is more extreme. Yeah. Yes, our intuitions are sort of skewed in that way. But yeah, on a lighter note, I've often thought I was a very, you know, as a just to give some background, a really boring personal anecdote, but I was a very sort of um self-regarding and self-involved teenager. I'm sure every many most teenagers are fairly self-involved, but you know, I was very um filled with passions and melancholy and and, you know, I'd be in love with some girl and heartbroken and, you know, I felt it everything very acutely. But in some ways I've never felt, uh, you know, there have been a few things, you know, grief, real grief with mom and other things. But in many other respects, I've never had such intense and pain <laughs> and emotions as then. And so just because they're trivial, does that make that 
a less important experience for an in, for a person. You know, I often think that the people who haven't had real misfortune in some ways suffer a lot more from small inconveniences and tribulations than than people who've been hardened. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's our sort of apropos of nothing. You think, yeah, as as even though their their problems are objectively smaller, subjectively they might be a lot bigger. Mm. They feel more pain. Yeah, I remember. On account of, you know, they might feel some soft Australian professional, I don't know, who's missed out on a pay raise and has worked really hard and hasn't been recognised for their contribution to their professional life or has yeah. been look, you know, looked over, might feel subjectively worse than some poor farmer in Ethiopia who's... Um, crops have just failed. crops have just failed and is used to it, used to the horror. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't a, know. a sort of a smaller example of that is uh, when my friends are sick or unwell and I, I sort of, I'll be helpful. I'll bring them around medicine or whatever it happens to be or I'll drop them off at the hospital. But if they're not actually dying, I don't give them the amount of attention that they want. Yeah. And I mean... My inclination is definitely to tell the, the the person who has this intense subjective experience just to harden up, really. That's my inclination. You know, I do think that and actually end up in some unhealthy ways being a bit like that with myself, problems I have, had that habit. But yes, there's a balance to be struck, isn't there? Yeah, I had that a little bit when I saw the man uh, fall out of the building, what, last week now? Yeah. And... Uh, Everyone was saying, oh, you have to take care of yourself. You have to, you know, you have to be really kind to yourself and gentle with yourself. And are you sure you want to do this gig tonight? And I just thought, I mean, I thought, oh, I'm fine. This stuff happens all the time and I did what I could. And, of course, it was a terrible thing to see, but it, I've seen worse things. And, uh, and and by the same, you know, by the token of everything we've been talking about, it's certainly not the most terrible thing that's happened in the world that day. Yes, uh, but then, you know, I didn't feel bothered by it emotionally, but then as I tried to go to sleep, like, my heart was going thunk, 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 thunk. So mm. it was a really interesting sort of, oh, yeah, maybe people are right and I should be a little bit more careful. Well, yeah. I think my considered opinion is you just have to be pragmatic about all of those things. Yeah. Um, you have to be pragmatic about other people's em- emotions even if if they might not be proportionate or you might not think they're proportionate and the same with your own emotions like it, as linda says you know if you're sad well then you're sad it doesn't matter why you're sad you've got to deal with the fact that you're sad otherwise all the things all your other goals and objectives and wishes are being disrupted and all your wishes to do good in the world are also being disrupted if you're not you know, if you're not dealing, if you're just sort of allowing your own problems to fester. And so part of it is not trivialising them or comparing them. I think that's a healthy outlook. Yeah. Having perspective, but recognising that your own, you know, you have to be super meta, like have perspective on your problems, but then recognise that your own training to have that perspective and perceive things with perspective also has risks if you go too far. Yeah, you have to be... Undermining your own capacity to just... You have to be objective about your subjectivity as well. (laughs) You can't just go, well, 
this isn't a thing to be upset about. You, you go, well, I shouldn't be upset, but I am upset, so I have to deal yeah. with that. Yeah, like, exactly. it's just uh, so many layers. Oh, gosh. Yeah, because then by not being upset or, like, actively wasting energy or not being upset, you're not actually, you know, I don't really believe in the idea that you ha- that you must process whatever. I, I sort of am a bit... I think skeptical. L- I think that you I must. Think there's, let a, there's room for some healthy repression. Yeah, well, not repression, but you know, I think that ultimately what you want is to let the thing go. That's, mm. and so some people are really good. I think people who are very mindful and meditate and everything, they can be very good at just. They don't have to do the like. Oh, this is my emotion. I feel rage. Oh, I must express okay, it. Okay, I've expressed my rage, and I. This is the things that I'm angry about. Oh, that feels better, and now I can let it go. Some people can just fast forward to the. Oh, this isn't. This is the seed of rage. Cool. Let me just put that put aside. my attention on something else. Like I think some people are better than others. Yeah, I definitely think that it's not. But equally, I think there are some people who just chew over their problems <laughs> again and again and again, and then they swallow them and then they puke them back up and chew some more. Like, and it's really freaky when you see children whose parents have had like lots of therapy and then talk to them in therapy language, <laughs> and they're like. I feel really anxious right now because of the way that mom has been communicating to dad. (laughs) Uh, And then you're like, Ooh, creepy, creepy. This is like, (laughs) this is like a horror movie. Something is gives, puts the hackles up. Yeah. You should, you should just be crying child. (laughs) Just start screaming at it. Just cry. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, you know, I feel like that's the time to bribe children with ice cream, not to tell them to express their, express their feelings anxiety yeah Yeah. i think i think you're right with that i I do think there's a lot of people who and uh, maybe this is me being really right-wing and weird but a a lot of people who will maintain a grievance in order to have leverage you know they'll stay hurt by something for longer than they need to be and of course that's not you know saying that some traumas but it's so delicious long term (laughs) delicious resentment Mm. (laughs) Is this still about the carrots thing? Is this? I mean, it feels good though. People get some gratification from it. Yeah, it's nice to be. It's nice to be. Uh, anger is a sort of a fuel. I think it's enjoyable in its own way. I know a lot of people who are driven by nothing but anger. Oh, what a waste of energy. Yes, I feel that a little bit. So the thing you know, uh, what I get is I get. The thing that everyone gets is like, because I ride my bike around London, not advisable, everyone. I mean, in some ways, great. But when people, like I had a run in with a guy a few weeks ago where I was just pulling out into a street and I pulled out and I was riding along the street, you know, as I should be. And then someone was waiting to turn right onto the street. So we're in the UK. So everyone drives on the left-hand side of the road. They were crossing a lane of traffic. And they hesitated. Uh, I have I have right of way. They hesitated and then pulled out, like lurched out right in front of me. And I always like when I see those people, it's very important to me to make eye contact to see what they're going to do mm. because I'll, you know, I'll stop. But this guy was sort of made eye contact, looked like he was going to give me the right of way and then pulled out in front of me. Mm. And I just cycled up to him. And I really, without raising my voice or without, I said, oh, I, I really said, oh, mate, you've got to really... Look out for cyclists in that situation. That's literally the words I used and pretty much the tone. And then I turned left and I heard the tire screech as he did a Yui. Oh, no. Screeched around in his van to pursue me. 
coming revving his engine behind me and i sort of thought is this guy gonna try and kill me like am i gonna so i pulled in between two cars i thought he literally might kill me so i need to put something between me and him and then he started having a real go at me and my temper got the better of me at that point <laughs> and i was like i think my thinking process to as in as much as i had a thinking process was you know if you're going to try and hurt me get out of the van and do it and i said something along those lines like and now I think that was resentful. But I constantly have been replaying what would have happened if the guy had got out of the van. Um, and for the rest of the day and probably like the rest of the month, it occasionally shown came him, back. Shown him <laughs> your silver medal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, you know, but obviously that's... Do you know who I am? Yeah, but I nursed that resentment for quite... I was on my way to training as well, so I was a little bit fired up. As anyway, But yeah, I nursed that resentment for some time. I mean, that's, I think, what social media is good for, just getting out those petty resentments. Well, I've got it out now. I've expressed it. This has therapized me. Feeling heard. I feel so heard. <laughs> but everyone, public public service announcement, cyclists are people too. And yeah. if cyclists seem a little anxious or over-cautious, it's because if a mistake happens, they might die. And if a mistake happens to you, you might prank your car. Yeah. So please be nice to us. A ding in your hubcap is a ding in their head, which is a worry. Be careful. Yeah, it's pretty rare. You know, okay. Pretty, pretty careful. All right. Well, uh, where can people find you online or do you not want them to? I don't exist online. I'm invisible. <laughs> I've had enough. I've had enough. Well, is there anything you'd like to recommend that people look up online? Uh, no. Subscribe to a high-quality newspaper inform yourself make rational decisions oh i mean yeah 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 go and see alice show <laughs> yeah yeah all that <laughs> all right thanks for coming on the podcast you're having tea with alice <laughs>